This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to Panther Puri, the podcast where we're supposed to talk Panthers hockey, but sometimes we don't. Here are your hosts, Alex Lopez, Jake Langsam, and TJ Peterson. All right, welcome to another special playoff edition of Panther Puri. TJ riding solo this time, but I got Samantha Pell, Washington Capitals beat reporter for the Washington Post with me to talk all things Capitals and maybe a little bit of Panthers from their side of the coin. Samantha, thanks for taking some time to talk to me. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to be here. <laughs> so Capitals get a big upset win in game one. They set the tone. You could see all the predictions and all of the models had them as pretty strong underdogs mm-hmm. in this series. And they were able to come out and get a you know pretty definitive victory. Not, not only did they, you know, actually win the game, but they deserve to win the game as well. It, it was a pretty emphatic victory. So from your point of view, what went right for the Capitals in that game? I mean, really, I think it was surprising for a lot of Capitals fans and media in general was that they played a complete 60 minutes. And that's been something that Washington just really hasn't done this season. We saw it in flashes. They played really well against Colorado a couple of weeks ago. And a lot of people felt like that was the blueprint game against Florida. And they really came out. They checked hard. They were really good defensively. They seemed to close their gaps well. And uh, obviously goaltending was the biggest question coming into the playoffs and Vanacek I thought was fairly solid aside from that Sam Bennett goal um, there early so I, I think overall Washington's fairly optimistic now just about the rest of the series but as everyone knows it's the playoffs it's a long series and game one is not going to be the same as game two etc um, so yeah I think the Capitals have everything going in the right direction but obviously injuries once again are kind of the main point of concern. Mm -hmm. So why don't we go ahead and and jump into that? So Tom Wilson and John Carlson, if I'm not mistaken, both left the game. Carlson, it was in the third period. Wilson very early on. Why don't you give us the current status of both of those guys? Yeah, so right now Tom Wilson was being evaluated all last night. He took a couple laps around the ice during a TV timeout trying to get back in the game. I believe that was in the second period, but he, he just couldn't do it. He couldn't come back. Capital said it was a lower body injury, which is pretty interesting because really he was only on the ice for about 90 seconds. And in those 90 seconds, he scored a goal and it looked like he was injured when he tried to go hit Uyghur along the boards, but he basically missed and took the brunt of the hit. So to us, it kind of looked like an upper body thing immediately, but with the lower body, that's a bit of a concern. Maybe it's a knee, maybe he hit something when he hit the ice or the board. So Overall, there's still no update on his status. Hopefully we'll get something later today. It's Wednesday, I think. Um, So later today. And with John Carlson, I actually think John Carlson is okay. I know he left early there um, in the game or, you know, late in the third period, but 
he was in the couch post game video. He was talking, he was laughing. He was doing everything that a normal John Carlson would do. So I think the Capitals actually might've dodged a bullet there with Carlson, but obviously we'll, we'll see later today. Yeah, I guess we will. And those guys can be pretty pivotal mm -hmm. for the Capitals going forward, but you know, it's not just them. This is still a lot of the core that won the Stanley cup for the Capitals. It was, it was 2018, right? Yeah, 2018, think, yeah, four years get, ago. <laughs> yeah, I have to get my years mixed up. So coming into this series and maybe reflecting on last night, who besides Ovechkin, who everybody will talk about, you know, ad nauseum, who are the players that the Capitals will need to step up and who did step up yesterday? Yeah, I actually think there was a couple players. The first person that comes to mind is Anthony Mantha. I know he didn't get on the score sheet, but after Tom Wilson left for Mantha, he dialed it up, honestly. I think it's the best game I've seen him play. I had, he had 10 hits. He had a lot of shots on goal. He just seemed very engaged. And Mantha's kind of big thing before he came to the Capitals was that maybe he wasn't really a physical player and he kind of faded away and the effort really wasn't there on the ice. And it really felt like he was engaged, ready to go game one. He wanted to kind of prove, I think, to everyone that he could have a strong postseason. And he's had kind of a long season. He had a really bad shoulder injury, which he had to get surgery on, missed a lot, a lot of games. And they finally got him back to the trade deadline around that time. And he's been great since then. So definitely Anthony Mantha. And I actually think Evgeny Kuznetsov was great last night as well. I mean, he gets on the board and maybe that can kind of spark something in him to continue that run that he had in the 2018 postseason when he had 32 points and honestly it had never looked better. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that physical play is going to be really important for the Capitals especially if they continue to play the neutral zone trap, it seems like they really want to try to force Florida into dumping the puck in. So what's key to them in terms of winning the puck when you have that four check coming in or just board battles in general, how do they uh, emphasize winning those? I mean, for them, a lot of it is speed. Uh, I think Nick Jensen said the other day, it's like the old adage, it's just, it's time and space. So for them, they're trying to close as quickly as possible. They're trying to swarm, uh, you know, the Panthers and they're trying to make sure that they can get those turnovers and the neutral zone play is going to be crucial for them moving forward just to make sure that they can kind of control the time on ice and, you know, be able to set up their offense and not let Florida get the puck. And sounds very simple, right? I mean, to you and me, it's like, okay, well, just don't let Florida's offense get the puck and get mm -hmm. shots on no, the caps. But when you're in game and you're going and it's back and forth, I mean, the Capitals were, wanted to play a defensive game. They just so happened to be the team that went out and scored four goals. Mm -hmm. So for them, they take that as a win and they move on to game two. And hopefully for them, you know, they can kind of replicate that success. Yeah, it makes sense when you're going into the series as an underdog to that a team will buy in more to that defensive game plan. And it's not to say that, like, you know, Washington didn't ever try to attack. I mean, they had, what was it, 37 shots on goal? So yeah, clearly they were, they were <laughs> clearly they were getting some offensive success. But to me, it seems like it all, like you said, it all spans from what happens in the neutral zone. And especially once the puck gets past the red line, when the Panthers are trying to enter the zone. Is, is that something that you think that they've tried to work on specifically in practice or you've heard Laviolette and other coaches talk about defending their own blue line like that? Yeah, I mean, a lot of players have mentioned having a high F3 and making sure that's tight and that's ready. And um, so, yeah, I mean, players kind of 
reiterated it, I'm pretty sure for the last like two to three days of we have to play defensive, we have to win the neutral zone, we have to make sure we can contain them and that area, you know, along the red line, we have to make sure that we win those and or else they're going to be in trouble if, you know, they keep on, you know, missing and it just turns into a shootout situation. So for the Cavs, they definitely know what to do. They have the strategy down and I think it's actually really interesting to think about kind of the coaching situation in this matchup as well with Laviolette and all of his experience and how much, you know, he can go in and have that experience to show everyone. And I, I, I personally think that showed last night. Yeah. The credibility. I mean, you could, you could make the argument if you wanted to, that brunette like expected the capitals to play a different way because most of the time they weren't doing the one, three, one, most of the time they were, you know, if the puck was going to come into the offensive zone, they had guys back to make sure that they didn't get burned. Yeah. Um, coming into the series, a lot of people were talking about the speed disparity and, you know, not, not to call anybody old, but you know, the thought was that the Panthers, their core of, of impact players were younger than the Capitals court. And I mean, the Capitals court has already won a Stanley cup. So, you know, yeah. you, you don't necessarily have to say like, Oh, the, you know, these, these guys are, are going for it too late, but what, what other ways besides, you know, kind of condensing the ice, are they trying to compensate for what could be a uh, speed disparity? I think, I think the biggest thing that comes to mind is the physicality that we talked about earlier. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm actually surprised the way that hits kind of came out in the first two periods, Florida had a major advantage and I thought Washington would be the opposite. I thought Washington would want to come out and hit everything in sight and just kind of, you know, slow down Florida that way. But I think because of how defensively structured they were, uh, they didn't really have to do that and, you know, throw all these crazy hits for them to kind of have that advantage and counteract the speed. So I think it ended up that way in the third period. I'm pretty sure the Capitals basically caught up to the Panthers and hits almost. Um, so they definitely changed some strategies there, but I definitely think for them, honestly, it was about physicality. It was about defense and it was just about, we can't really outrun them in a track meet. So let's do something else. Mm -hmm. And Tom Wilson might be a a pivotal part of that physicality. If he can come back, I I was looking forward based on the two, uh, the two players playoff, uh, suspension history to seeing if any hijinks was Mm going to come from, uh, Sam Bennett going up against Tom Wilson. Because b- yeah. both those players are on their team's second line. So, unfortunately, we didn't get to see the fireworks. I think that that could have been something entertaining. No, I mean, for sure. I think watching kind of both of those guys separately and then, yeah, seeing them together on the ice, pretty sure if Wilson had more than 90 seconds, something would have kind of ensued. But, yeah, we'll see if Tom Wilson gets back in the series. I mean, I'm honestly not sure if he tried to go and test things and just didn't work out. But for the Caps, it'd be a major loss, not only physically, but, I mean, he's had a career offensive year as well. Mm-hmm. Th- this might already be apparent to the people listening to this, but do the Capitals have a skate, a practice today? Has that already happened? Is that going to happen later? Yeah, they have a 1 p.m. optional uh, today. So usually optional skates, big guys won't go. It's going to be a lot of the younger guys, guys who just want to hit the ice, have nothing to do in Florida uh, on a Wednesday. So mm-hmm. um, we're not expecting a bunch, but we definitely expect everyone to hit the ice uh, before game two. You mean they're not going to go to the Sawgrass Mall? I mean, those... I mean maybe. maybe. They do love to shop. So maybe. <laughs> I can't <laughs> blame them. <laughs> there's there's a lot of good stores in there. I mean, there's a lot of stores in there. So there's got to be some good ones, right? 
No, for sure. I mean, I have definitely went to that mall on my off days. So oh, I, I can't blame you. I mean, <laughs> I've, I've been there many times myself and certainly do not uh, shy away from partaking in the shopping. So something I'm curious about, because you have a, a different vantage point, is maybe if you tried to put the shoe on the other foot, looking at the capitals, what do you think that they're potentially vulnerable if, if the Panthers make a change? Basically, if you were Andrew Burnett or if you were advising him, what would you say, like, this is a strategy that might, you know, put the capitals off balance, might like put the series back in, in your favor? I, I actually was, I feel like if I was the Panthers, I'd be pleasantly, I mean, surprised or happy with the way I played overall. I mean, I think Bobrovsky like stood on his head for the most part, but just couldn't make those late stops. But I think for their offense, just going against the Capitals goalies and Vanacek, I mean, Vanacek cannot stop every single shot. I don't think he's an Igor, you know, in New York and can make 70 plus saves. So if they just keep on going at him, if they keep on getting shots on net, he tends to give up really big rebounds a lot. And it seems like the boards are super lively um, in Florida. So as long as they keep on going and kind of attacking VTech, I, I can't imagine this series doesn't go back and forth all the way through. Um, but I do think the way that they attack the Capitals and trying to use that speed and the flash, like, like you said earlier, the Capitals are not young. Uh, they're aging. They have a lot of injuries that they're all trying to overcome around this time of year. So I think the key is over, you know, how many games this goes, five, six, seven, like Florida just has to keep on pushing. Mm -hmm. And then the key part of keeping on pushing is whenever the Panthers get power play opportunities, they need to cash in on those. But Washington has had a pretty strong penalty kill throughout the year. What can you tell us about that penalty kill and what might stand out about it when facing this Florida power play? Yeah, they're, their penalty kill is actually really strong. I mean, they don't put their, obviously, like their big guys out there, but it's, you know, Lars Eller, Nick Dowd, Chippy guys, it's Martin Faravari, it's John Carlson, Dimitri Orlov. So it's the guys that can really just kind of sacrifice their bodies and they're really, really good at closing fast. They're good at kind of recognizing who's around them. I mean, this group has played together the entire year and I feel like the chemistry is there. And, you know, I guess the penalty kill sometimes has a philosophy of, you know, you can kind of cheat a little bit uh, and try to go and steal the puck or go and, you know, attack early. So I think for them, that's how I've seen it this season is they're maybe more prone to taking that risk and getting trying to clear the puck out versus just kind of waiting and sitting back because, you know, a lot of these NHL power plays are just going to eat you alive if you do that. So I think the Caps have a pretty good strategy. The penalty kill wasn't great to end the season. So I think this was a good confidence boost, at least for them in game one. Yeah, I, I think that uh, you got to make the clock your friend rather than your enemy on that power play because it is only two minutes, but two minutes can feel like an eternity when, you know, skilled players on either side of the ice, whether it's Barkov, Huberto, Giroux, or Ovechkin, Backstrom, Kuznetsov are cycling the puck around you. It's definitely a lot. I think Capitals, even playing the four on four uh, for a couple of minutes there, I think was a scary sight for a lot of Caps fans just realizing how much Florida can utilize that time and space and how fast they are and creative. So yeah, I think overall it, it was a good kind of look at the series to come. Mm -hmm. uh, once, once again, kind of like flipping the script was, do you think that the Capitals saw something from Florida in game one that they weren't expecting? I want I want to say, no, I really feel like the Capitals knew exactly what they were getting when they got Florida and obviously president's trophy winners and number one seed and they played them 
you know, three times at the last time they played with late November. So they didn't have Giroux. They didn't have like all the big guys. So I feel like they knew exactly what they were getting. Maybe I just think maybe they shocked themselves and how well they played and how they were able to kind of maintain that consistency because that's just been a struggle for them all season. So kind of a lame answer, but no, I think they were, they understood what was going to happen. Yeah. I mean, that d- dynamic makes sense not to, you know, belittle them, but you know, I, I feel like when you're coming into the playoffs as an eight seed, there's going to be way more emphasis on the matchup and you're going to be way more energized to like, you know, pull off the upset then when you're the president's trophy winner, you know, it, 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 you can't necessarily buy into, all right, we got to lock into, you know, exploiting this team's weaknesses. You're going to feel like as long as we, we show up, we've got a great chance of winning, you know? Yeah. And I mean, the Capitals have been on the other side of this too, right? Like they've been president's trophy winners. Like they know the feeling of like coasting into the playoffs and as everyone knows, like that is not good for the caps and they've been out in a quick, you know, first one, two rounds. So for them, I think having that perspective and understanding of that success and what that comes with it, I think they probably just took advantage of it. And we're like, Hey, like we've been in that position. We know all the pressure that the Panthers are feeling, but we have no pressure on our end now because no one expects us to go out and win. And they just kind of did the shot. Mm-hmm. And in hindsight, because when it happened, I was really curious as to where, why the let off, why there was a let off. Because in the last few games of the season, I mean, they put in a decent effort against the Rangers. You can't really blame them for losing that game. But a a couple of pretty limp losses to the Islanders. Do you think that going into those games, they might have thought, well, if it's Florida, we feel okay about our chances anyway. So they didn't necessarily play with desperation to avoid having to face off against what would have been seen as a, you know, frightening opponent. Yeah, I, I feel like that's a tough question to answer. That, and I feel like we're never actually going to get a truthful yeah, answer from them <laughs> regardless. Um, but I mean, those two Islanders losses, they lost 4-1, then 5-1. It was one at home, one on the road, back-to-back. And they were like, they're really bad losses. You know, even without Alex Ovechkin, it just felt like they fell flat. It felt like there was no effort. Lars Eller, I think after their season finale said, we just weren't emotionally invested uh, in any of these games. And we didn't look like ourselves, which I think was a pretty stark, blunt comment uh, saying that your team just was not engaged um, the last week of the season. But yeah, I mean, I, I think everything the players said was they want to move up in the standings. They wanted to pass Pittsburgh. They wanted to get third. And I think the matchup against New York would have been really, really tough. I'm really not sure if the Capitals could have went past New York and Igor, especially, I mean, he's just a wall in net and obviously Pittsburgh had to go three OTs to figure him out. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't want to say they like lost all three to get Florida. I don't think anyone really wanted Florida, but when you look back at it, you look at the matchup and Bobrovsky and, you know, everything about the Panthers history in the playoffs, it's not a terrible series to be in. No, I, I mean, if they're going to play this way, it's definitely going to be a, a thorn in the side of the Panthers and they're going to have to figure out how to play a little bit differently. Not, not in the sense of like, Oh, they're this, you know, run and gun team and that doesn't work in the playoffs mm-hmm. rather. They just got to be used to entering the zone a different way. I feel like, and when, when they're in the zone, you know, if, if they have a little bit mm-hmm. more success and just kind of, you know, find themselves in a situation where in the previous, you know, 20, 30, 40 minutes of the game, 
they're not having to skate so much because the puck's moving out of their zone. They have to go back and retrieve it. They can kind of work around. And rather than being the tired team because you have to chase the puck because the Capitals are breaking up your plays and coming at you with an odd man rush, when that doesn't happen, you've got fresher legs. And when you have the fresher legs, you can start skating around the offensive zone with a little bit more freedom and confidence. No, for sure. I completely agree with that. And I think, yeah, no, I was going to say, I actually agree with everything. You just said, <laughs> so I have nothing to add to that. <laughs> Fair. I, I appreciate that. Um, so I would be remiss not to ask at least one thing about Alexander Ovechkin. Uh, everybody knows what kind of threat he provides on the power play. And, and certainly he's a scorer capable at four on four, even strength, however you want to utilize him. But he came into the series with a little bit of question marks about his health. Do you think that those that uh, he was taken out of one of the games, do you think that might've just been precautionary or do you think he's playing with a little bit of something bothering him? Yeah. So he was hurt against Toronto. I believe it was April 24th. So we're a couple weeks removed from that. Uh, but I think he was definitely hurt. I mean, his shoulder hit the boards pretty hard. He did not seem happy at all. He was tripped and just kind of went in awkwardly. And I do think that he's maybe playing through a little bit of something. I know he said the other day that he kind of just rested for the last week of the season because they weren't playoff games. If they were playoff games, he could have played, but I also think that's your captain being your captain, right? Like he's going to play through injury if he needs to. And I think it was probably good for him that whatever is ailing him or bugging him had a week to rest. And now it doesn't look like he's playing with anything. I mean, I just look at the poke check before Kuznetsov's goal there on um, the third period. I mean, that was a full-fledged Ovechkin effort to go do that and get the puck. So it doesn't look like anything's ailing him. He seems locked in for the postseason, but it would not surprise me whatsoever if after the series is over, he's like, yeah, this was bugging me the entire time, but I just sucked it up because it was the playoffs. Yeah, now, now you tell me you were playing with this, that, and the <laughs> other ailment. Exactly, which is what happens every single year. So. Yeah. Well, I, I, we might hear that from the Panthers soon if the series doesn't go their way. You know, it's, it's kind of a convenient excuse. I mean, I don't, I don't blame hurt. them, though. Everybody's hurt. Yeah, nobody's healthy. But then exactly. again, if everybody's hurt, who's hurt? Just the players. Very true. <laughs> so I think that we can wrap up here. Uh, thanks so much for taking some time to talk to me. Why don't you uh, shout out everything that you're doing with the Washington Post? Yeah, sure. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, I guess all my stuff is on WashingtonPost.com, on my Twitter, Samantha J. Pell. But yeah, just covering the series here in Florida. We'll go back to D.C. for games three and four. So we'll have stories up every day. So yeah, hopefully you guys uh, follow along from the other side. Yeah, out of curiosity, without giving away like GPS coordinates or anything that <laughs> intimate, like what part of Florida are you staying in? I'm sure it's close to the arena, but I'm curious. So I'm actually staying in Plantation uh, just because it's like in the middle of the arena and the airport. And I figure like it's also halfway to the beach. So like after practice today, maybe go to the beach if it's not raining. Um, but yeah, I'm staying here. It's super easy. I mean, I've stayed in Sunrise. I've stayed in Fort Lauderdale. And now now we're trying out the middle. <laughs> you know, I, I was I was pretty shocked that that player survey came out. And Fort Lauderdale was either two or three in terms of the player's <laughs> favorite travel destination. It's. I find it interesting because I think the Capitals have both stayed in Sunrise and also stayed on the beach, but usually when they stay on the beach in Fort Lauderdale, they have an extra off day or they cancel morning skate or something like that. And so that's probably why they get some extra time whenever they, they come to Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're used to, you know, coming in to play the Panthers when the Panthers are seventh in you know, the Atlantic division 
and they're probably going to play the backup goalie and, you know, not really expecting to have to work too hard to get the two points, but you know, those days are long gone. And, and even still the capitals are finding a decent amount of success here. So um, we're going to have to see if that continues in game two. Samantha Pell, thank you so much for taking some time to talk to me. Yeah, absolutely. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.